take out your Bible and get yourself over to Mark chapter 10. And uh, young people, if you did not pick up one of those little uh, clipboards on the back there, or on the back counter back there, please go and get one of those, and that will help you to take some notes and maybe to pay attention and not to distract your mom or your dad so that they can set their attention and their affection on God during this time. Would that be a good thing, kids? Yep. I'm glad you're with us in the service this morning. Some of you aren't used to being with us because you're used to being in Grace City Kids. No Grace City Kids today, but we're glad you're with us this morning, okay? Okay, Mark chapter 10, and let me remind you of this, Jesus always thinks and responds and talks and acts in ways that perfectly please God the Father. You and I do not always think and respond and talk and act in ways that perfectly please the Father. But the same power that enables Jesus to live faithfully, joyfully, and fruitfully is available to you and me. How do we have this power? We have this power through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit unites us to Jesus, makes us one with Jesus, Because we are connected to Jesus, that same power is available to us to live how? To live faithfully, joyfully, and fruitfully before God. So then the gospel comes to us not not merely as God's salvation for eternity, but as the power of God to change our lives right here and right now. That's what we're talking about during this summer preaching series through the fruit of the Spirit. We're talking about our lives being changed by the power of the gospel, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so far, we've made our way through self-control and gentleness and faithfulness. And if you're keeping track, we're working our way backwards, and that means today we have goodness. Our sister Ashley is going to come, and she's going to read to us these, uh, it looks like it's six verses out of Mark chapter 10, Mark 10, 17 through 22. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Disheartened, by this saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Thanks, Ashley. The word 
good has lost almost all meaning in our culture. We say things like, good morning, good luck, good work, good riddance, good grief. We might even say, good dog. Uh, I had Lois look through the notes for this sermon yesterday, and she came down and said, the sermon looks good. She was mostly teasing me, I think. Good is like a child's blanket. It, it started off a very vibrant blue or pink or white, and then through repeated use and lots of washings, that blanket is now dingy and faded. That's what has happened, I suspect, to the word good in our culture. So, it's no surprise that when we read that the fruit of the Spirit is goodness, we're unimpressed. Maybe we ought to just skip faithfulness and go straight to kindness. What is going on with this word goodness that seems so overused? Goodness is rooted in godliness. That means when you hear the word goodness, your mind should go to God because God is good. Because God is good. God is good all the time. And so our mind should go to God. When we think goodness, we should be thinking about God. Why? Because God is good. Followers of Jesus, then, don't merely do good. Followers of Jesus are becoming more godly, more like God. And as we are changed to be more like Jesus, we have this wonderful privilege of incarnating the godliness that God is doing inside of us, and that godliness is incarnated. It is given a body by followers of Jesus. And what does it look like? Godliness incarnated looks like goodness. Goodness is godliness expressed in selfless, practical care for others. In chapter 10 of his gospel, Mark introduces us to this wealthy man. And from the gospel of Matthew, we learn that he is young, and the gospel of Luke tells us that he is a ruler. So there is an influential, wealthy man with his whole life ahead of him. He's the kind of person that would show up on the 40 under 40 list. He is a who's who. A very eligible bachelor, you might say. This is what we read about him in verse 17. As he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do 
to inherit eternal life. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now, this is interesting, and we need to pay attention because this man wants eternal life, and that's a good thing. Why does Jesus challenge his usage of the word good? Well, Jesus knows that this honorable greeting betrays a low view of the word good. He's using the word good like we all use the word good. His his view of the word good is dingy and faded, like the child's blanket. And as a result of that, Jesus knows that his view of God is also limited and lower than it needs to be. Notice how Jesus exposes his heart in verse 19. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. I am a pretty good guy. I am nice. I am respectable. I've kept all of those rules, and I take care of my family. Some of you may remember Rich Mullins. He has a song where he croons these words, I don't cheat on my taxes, I don't cheat on my girl, and I have values that would make the White House jealous. That's kind of what this guy is saying. I've kept all of those rules, I've checked all of the boxes, and I take good care of my family. I honor my father and my mother. He's probably telling the truth as far as he is able to discern it. He's very sincere. But he is also blind to his own lack of goodness. Jesus responds, verse 21. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. Disheartened by this saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. It's hard to see him turn and walk away from Jesus, isn't it? Well, 
when he is faced with the decision, personal wealth or practical care for others, he chooses personal wealth. He is sincere, but he is not saved. He is nice, but he is not good. He is religious, but he is not godly. Goodness is godliness expressed in selfless, practical care for others. Godliness is intangible. Are you with me on that? But goodness is touchable. Godliness is invisible. We can't see the ways that God is changing us on the inside. Godliness is invisible. But, but goodness is visible. Goodness is the proof the visible, tangible proof of invisible spiritual transformation that is taking place in your heart. Perhaps I can illustrate it this way. Kids, are you familiar with the game charades? You like to play charades, okay? So, so here's, how, here's how I hope to illustrate this with the game charades, okay? So say you get your little card. I know some of you now play the one where you hold it up on your head because you have iPhones and whatever, so you play kind of charades by holding it up. But let's just say you get, you get your card or the little sticky note, whatever, and it says, Excited. And you read this card and you're thinking to yourself, excited? How in the world am I going to get people that I'm supposed, my team, to, to say the word excited? Because excited is something that is happening inside of me. What is that going to look like? And then you, you think about it for a couple of seconds, and then it occurs to you, oh, I could, I could put a smile on my face, and I could jump up and down, and I could shake my fists in the air, and I could, I could be so happy on the outside that the people that are on my team would say, I think you're trying to be excited. What have you done? You have... You've taken an intangible, invisible word like excited, and you have made it tangible, visible, so that the people on your team can guess it. Maybe you get the word, this probably never happens in your household, but I suppose it could. You get the word preacher, okay? And you're thinking, well, now, what am I going to do about that? That could be kind of a, a hard one to describe. How am I going to make this word become visible to the people that are on my team? 
And maybe you, you go and get a book real quick so you can hold a book and you're pretending like you're holding the Bible and maybe you're shaking your fist or wagging your finger or you're just pretending to talk a whole bunch like I'm doing right now or maybe you're making motions or you talk about ditches on one side or the other like I'm inclined to do all the time. And you get your, you get your team to say, I think you're trying to be a preacher. What's happening? You're taking invisible, intangible things and making them visible, making them touchable. That's what happens with godliness. We, we are being made more godly inside by the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's invisible, it's intangible. But then what do we do? We express that godliness that the Spirit is working up inside of us we express that godliness in practical, selfless care for others. And we call that goodness. Now, this wealthy man's understanding of goodness is dingy, it's faded. He's not thinking rightly about goodness. His view of being nice, being respectable, keeping some check marks next to his name that he's doing all the right things, his view of those things is what he thinks about being good. He is North Dakota nice. But when it comes time to sell his possessions, give away his wealth to those who need it, he walks away from Jesus. Did you notice that? Sorrowful. He can't do it. He's not godly inside. And as a result, he can't show selfless practical care for others. But he's convinced that he's a good person. Why is there this disconnect for him? How is it that he thinks that he's a good person, and yet we now know he's not godly because he refuses to show goodness, to show selfless practical care to others? Why this disconnect? Well, his standard of goodness isn't God. He compares himself to others. And when he compares himself to others, that's easy. I'm clearly one of the good guys. That's why Jesus has to remind him, no one is good but God alone. You can't compare yourself to others. A guy named Aaron Menikoff says this in his book on the fruit of the Spirit, all theological and moral failures stem from a refusal to come to terms with the nature of God. God. 
When we do not appreciate the incredible glory of God, we will inevitably compare ourselves to others. When you don't honor God as the purest expression of all that is good, then you will be tempted to think, I'm a pretty good person. I mean, there's always someone that you're better than, right? And there's always someone that you can look at and say, well, I'm not that bad. But what if you compare yourself to Jesus? What if Jesus is the standard of goodness? When you realize that Jesus is infinitely better than the best person that you know, then what? Wouldn't it be foolish to think that God is somehow impressed by your good behavior? Friend, Jesus is far too good for your best behavior to close the gap. We can't say all that should be said about Jesus, but we can say a lot. Jesus is free of the smallest fault and the tiniest speck of error. He is the shoreless ocean of sweetness without one drop of impurity. Jesus never makes a bad decision or a wrong choice. He never thinks spitefully or seeks revenge. He never withholds forgiveness. Jesus never leads anyone astray, and he always goes after those who are wandering away from him. Jesus is the righteousness of God. His character is impeccably excellent. He is eminently and eternally worthy of worship. Why? Because Jesus is God. That's why we say Jesus is God incarnated. He is God embodied. He is God wrapped up in the body of a man. He is invisible God, intangible God, become visible and touchable and present with us. What does godliness incarnated look like? What is this purest expression of godliness? Paul says it looks like goodness. Look at Titus chapter 3. But when the goodness 
and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. He saved us. Not by works, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I am so glad that you are here. Thank you for honoring us with your presence. Thank you for listening to the preaching of God's Word. Maybe like the wealthy man in Mark 10, you say, you know what, I've checked quite a few of the boxes. I'm a pretty nice person. I'm pretty good. I'm respectable. I'm sincere. I am better than most. Maybe you have learned to be gentle. Maybe you've even picked up a measure of self-control. But unlike those fruit of the Spirit, you cannot exercise goodness. You cannot produce goodness. Why? Because you are not yet godly on the inside. You are not the standard of goodness. Jesus is. Friend, Jesus came to save sinners like you and me. And he saves sinners not based on their goodness, but based on his goodness. God is rich in mercy, and because of the death of Jesus, God is eager to forgive your sins right now. Will you trust him? He will give you a new heart and He will begin to make you godly. He will change you from the inside out. He will enable you to produce the fruit of the Spirit called goodness. Will you trust in Jesus? Followers of Jesus, my brothers and sisters, you have been saved to reflect and to represent God. This is a high calling. This is a holy calling. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you proclaim what God is like by doing what He does. As you become more like Jesus, you can, like Jesus, incarnate godliness, embody the godliness that the Holy Spirit is working up inside of you. What does goodness look like? What would it look like to exercise selfless, practical care for others? This could look like doing the laundry and cleaning the kitchen. This might look like preparing your home to host MC and then cleaning up afterwards. 
This looks like confronting sin with truth and grace. This looks like giving financially to those in need. It looks like working, ordinary faithfulness, working your job in order to provide for your family. It looks like making your kids lunch when you haven't had breakfast or finished your coffee yet. It looks like checking in to encourage those who are sick or absent from church and missional community. It looks like fostering and even adopting little ones into your family. It looks like taking time to answer coworkers' questions about God and the Bible. Goodness looks like mowing your neighbor's lawn rather than being frustrated that their lawn is overgrown and the weeds are spreading into your lawn. Goodness means bringing a meal, showing hospitality. It means sharing the goodness of Jesus and the grace of God with others. It's impossible to be increasing in godliness without simultaneously increasing in selfless, practical care for others. Goodness and godliness go together like chocolate and peanut butter. If that's not your thing, that's okay. Goodness and godliness always go together. And yet, it's important for us to also remember that the gospel puts all of our good works in their proper perspective. We don't do God good works in order to earn God's love. No, we do good works because we have been so well loved by God. You may think that your acts of goodness are insignificant and unseen. You may think that you are having only a minimal impact in the lives of those around you. But because goodness is godliness expressed then even when you think I'm having only a minimal impact on the people around me, you can be sure of this. The Holy Spirit is having maximum impact in your heart. Every goodness is proof that you are being made more and more and more like Jesus. So when our understanding of goodness becomes dingy and faded, because we've cheapened the word good through overuse, then let's remember that goodness is rooted in godliness because God is good. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to make us more godly so that We express that godliness through selfless, practical care for others.
The Bible calls that goodness. Should we pray about that together? Okay. I wonder if you would take one minute to be before the Lord, to open your heart to the work of the Holy Spirit, to ask the Holy Spirit to open your heart to His work, where you have recognized that repentance is necessary, ask the Holy Spirit to grant repentance, where you have been frustrated, where you have felt like your goodness is having minimal impact, would you thank the Holy Spirit for what He is doing in your heart? Perhaps where you have been tempted to believe that you are a pretty good person, but that goodness looks like being nice and respectable, you might also take this time and ask the Holy Spirit to forgive you, to grant you repentance. Maybe you have never been saved. You are not yet a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're even embarrassed or ashamed to admit it. Be honest with the Holy Spirit right now. Call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved. Let's take a moment to be quiet together. Father, thank you for giving your Son, the Lord Jesus. We are helpless and hopeless on our own. We were your enemies, dead in our sin, horribly confused about our sinfulness. And yet, even while we were weak and ungodly in your enemies, you sent Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for going to the cross, for suffering there for my sin. Thank you for rising from the dead and returning to heaven and for sending the Holy Spirit to begin to make us more like you. When we think about you, Lord Jesus, we recognize that the Holy Spirit has so much more work left to do, so much more changing that needs to happen in our hearts. Stir up our faith, Holy Spirit. Please make us more like Jesus. Please start that work in my heart and let it spread to the hearts of the people of Grace City Church. We want to be expressions of godliness through selfless practical care. Show us how. Show us where. Teach us. Humble us where we've been confused about our efforts in the past. Make us more like Jesus. We ask for your glory and for our good. And we give thanks for all that you have done 
are doing and continue to do on our behalf. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.